Oh, I've seen some scripts I know the words weren't spelled right. There was hardly any commas in it at all. So I don't think that's too important. Hey, you want to get on the train here or you want to ruin another take, huh? It's too cerebral. We're trying to make a movie here, not a film. Man, I don't drop character till I've done a DVD commentary. You want to eat the writer? Be my guest. Welcome that back to another episode of the In the Mouth of Darkness Chatcast. Your I'm your host, Brad Gullickson, the Brennan. Mouth Dork. And joining me today is Lisa Gullickson, Wife Dork. Hey, Lisa. Hello. How are you? I am great. We're back in Virginia, Lisa. Feels good to be home. We completed an epic Sundance Film Festival. We're going to be bringing you so many rad conversations that we had from Park City. But that's not why we're here today. This is a very special post-Oscars episode. I am still flying high from watching the Oscars ceremony last night, um, and I'm super proud that we can repost this amazing episode. I mean, it is very surreal. You know, last night we went out to the Sears to partake in their annual Oscars party. They really know how to throw a shindig. They put out their own ballots. Everyone fills them out, and whoever wins the most points, whoever successfully uh, named the or predicted the Oscars winners, they come away with an Amazon gift card. Are you seriously making the our intro about you being the big winner? Yes, I am. <laughs> I won the Sears Oscars prediction ballot. I have $25 of Amazon cash. I'm a winner. I had faith in Bong Joon-ho. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I'm also very proud of you, and I think that even though I only got 12 points and you got 52 points, because I'm your wife, I'm legally entitled to half of that gift card. Okay, okay. I'll let you have half of that gift card. Thank you, my love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But no, seriously, we were driving home last night, and we were on such a high because we adored Parasite. Yes, it is Brad's favorite movie of the year. It is one of my favorite movies of the year. And just getting to see him get up again and again and make another amazing and astounded acceptance speech was so beautiful. Yeah, four Oscars for Bong Joon-ho. He got one for uh, Best Screenplay, uh, Original, uh, Best International Film, and I loved his comment about how he appreciated the rebranding of Best International Film for Best Foreign Film. Totally agree with him on that front. Uh, He won Best Director, and then as a producer on Parasite, he won Best Picture. And, you know, that's the first time a foreign film or uh, sorry, an international (laughs) film has ever won Best Picture. It's the first time a a South Korean has ever been nominated, let alone won anything. I mean, it's an incredible historic moment. And your favorite film of the fest or of the um, Oscars of the of 2020 was Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. And it did win Best Adapted Screenplay, which it totally deserved. What a beautiful, inventive way that Taika Waititi um, approached that original source material. He completely turned that book into a Taika film. I mean, he made it a comedy. He inserted the fantastical uh, Adolf Hitler imaginary friend character. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was awesome. Yeah, and to see both Taika and Bong Joon-ho take those awards home, very special. He's the first Maori uh, Taika Waititi to ever receive an Oscar. So, so cool, so cool. cool. I wish he had prepared a speech. Uh, you know, his his speech was not as on point as some others, <laughs> but I also like that element. I, I 
you know, sometimes, the, you know, Renee Zellweger knew she was going to win. She gets up there and she has a very well put together, rehearsed speech. I, you know, I liked it. It's it's good. But I like the spontaneity wins also. The people who are like, who, you know, Taika probably should have known he was going to win. But he didn't <laughs> want to jinx himself by preparing anything. Perhaps. You never know when... Uh Taika Waititi gets behind a microphone. You never know which Taika you're going to get. Are you going to get the sincere guy? Are you going to get the silly guy? So Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, as a ceremony uh, on its own, what do you think of the Oscars this year? I thought that the Oscars were extremely well done this year. I did not miss having a host. Yeah, I'm glad that we're done with hosts. Yeah, I, I enjoyed... Um, the opening monologue with Steve Martin and Chris Rock. I didn't think it was anything particularly outstanding, um, but like I, you know, you par know, for the course. It, it, it did. They, they, they did a good job. I mean, some jokes landed, some did not. I do find it a little weird. You know, they start the show off. And they are commenting on the fact that the Academy did not nominate enough women or people right. of color, and it's odd that the Academy Academy are commenting on the failures of the Academy. It's weird. I, I also thought that with Janelle Monae's number, I love a number. I love that number. And it was absolutely amazing to watch. I loved her opening with It's a Beautiful Day in Your Neighborhood and then um, bringing out all of these people in these costumes where they're celebrating films that were snubbed. We saw the floral cape of Midsummer. Mm. We saw the red tracksuit and the little tiger dress. Oh, yeah, Queen and Slim. From Queen and that Slim. That was a real surprise. I loved that. Me too. We saw us represented up there. But... At the same time, I don't see like Janelle Monet going home and getting her needle and thread out and going like, I'm going to sew a bunch of costumes and I'm really going to show them. Like the Oscars, uh, it's it's weird to see something going like, isn't it stupid? Isn't our past behavior so like exclusive? Like it was you. It was you guys yeah, who you, did it. You guys did it. Do nominate any year. women directors. But at and- the same time, when you look at the spread of award winners, while there weren't many surprises, a lot of them you could have predicted, and I did, and I won that Amazon gift <laughs> card, uh, I was very happy by the fact that it was such a wide array of winners that that the celebration went around. You know, you had stuff for Parasite. 1917 got a bunch of the technical awards. It certainly deserved the cinematography. Roger Deakins was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, Ford v. Ferrari, it has the most edits, so it wins best editing. <laughs> you know, uh, even though that should have gone to Parasite. Oh. I loved uh, Will Ferrell and Julia Louis-Dreyfus, how they uh, played with their introductions oh, right. about not understanding what cinematography was <laughs> and then hating editors for yeah. cutting all of the good stuff. Yeah, so I thought there was some good stuff there. And I actually really loved when they had the segment celebrating needle drops in cinema yeah. and how, like, a film can change how you hear a song and how a song can ha- have you change how you watch a movie. Like there's that every, every so often, you know, it's something that Quentin Tarantino does really, really well. Robert Rodriguez does really, really well. Um, James Gunn does really, really well. Where a blending of images and sound come together and create something new and beautiful. And that segment, they show you all these great needle drop moments and it builds to the last person I expected to see at the Oscars 
Eminem doing Lose Yourself. Yeah, oh, that was so amazing. Uh, but as it's funny because as they're cutting to the audience, yeah, yeah, everybody yeah. under 36 yeah. knows all of the lyrics to that. They're all speaking along with his text. And then they cut to other like. Martin Scorsese. And he's just like so, con- so confused. <laughs> Loved it. Loved uh, it. Yeah. I always feel awkward, though, when they cut to an audience who knows that they're going to be cut to. And they're like. How am I supposed to groove to this? Just yeah. a bunch of awkward white people bobbing their heads. Uh, I, st- I like all of that <laughs> stuff. I love the Oscars as a whole. I like the awkwardness. I like the things that fall flat. I wish the- I love the sincerity. I love the sincerity. I love the earnestness. I mean, I wish the Oscars was like s- at least four hours long. I wish we would get rid of the playing off people uh, on the stage. Let them ramble as long as they want. This is their moment. It's taken a lifetime to get to that stage. Let them be who they are in that moment. This is the first Oscars where all the way through I was never bored. Yeah. I was always entertained. It helps to be at the Sears. Oh, yeah, that's because then we have our own conversation going on. But I think that all of the transitions were super snappy. Most of the time was spent on speeches and on celebrating film. Um, I appreciate it being streamlined. And now that we know what works in a awards show, I think that we could afford to make it even longer and celebrate even harder. Yeah, I, I don't know if the rest of the public feels that way, but that's certainly how we do. More uh, numbers. I'm always a fan of numbers. You always want numbers. And they were pretty good numbers, you know, besides Eminem, Cynthia Revo, she got up there with Harriet. I love that. I love that song. Her outfit was rad. She looked like a, a trophy. Yeah, <laughs> Is that so offensive? Cool. No, I guess it's not nice awesome. to, yeah, she, she looked, looked beautiful. Awesome. Uh, and then Elton John, he took home an Oscar uh, for Rocket Man. But even more importantly, his writing partner, Bernie Toppin, yes. got his first Oscar. Yes. And I think that that's a wonderful celebration of their partnership, which was what was celebrated in the film Rocket Man in the first place. So yeah. I thought that that was and awesome. Elton was so emotional as Bernie was speaking, and that was really beautiful to see, too. Yeah, to see those guys embrace each other. Mm-hmm. Like, it just shows the power of friendship and just creativity. I think that's awesome. The acting awards, those were all the ones that everyone expected to happen. You know, Laura Dern got her award. I loved her speech, though. Every time they cut to her mother just absolutely weeping, I was so profoundly moved. Everyone should watch Roger Corman's The Wild Angels. That's the film where Diane Ladd and Bruce Dern made Laura Dern. (laughs) Yeah. So if you want to see her get conceived in between the frames, watch The Wild Angels. Uh, I I love Laura Dern, and if you haven't yet done so already, please watch the Laura Dern Los Angeles Gay Men's Choir celebrate her at, at the Independent Spirit Awards the day before. That was beautiful. That was so gorgeous. That made me absolutely cry. Just yes. watching a bunch of people celebrate one person so hard and getting to see that Laura Dern just lit up like a candle. Yeah, she was. Yeah. It was so beautiful. Uh, Brad Pitt finally got his Oscar for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Well deserved. Well an deserved. amazing performance. I, I gotta say, for acceptance speeches, though, I was a little disappointed because every time Brad. Pitt was winning an award building up to the Academy. Uh, he had like uh, these jokes that were just you know, <laughs> slaying. They were all dad jokes, but they were great jokes. You know, they were all written by Adam McKay, uh-huh. uh, but they were so on point. 
And he he was he was he was a little like uh, nonplussed when he won his award. Uh, maybe maybe he's just tired of being so On grateful. The circuit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm very glad that he got that. Uh, I loved the clip that they showed from Once Upon a yeah. Time in Hollywood uh, to 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 send him off to his Academy Award. Some of the clips, though, like particularly for the all of the writing awards, mm-hmm. they. I don't know if they were doing this purposefully, but they were picking clips that didn't involve any dialogue. Well, some some of them certainly, like 1917. Yeah. But but like that's the thing, you know, you watch something like 1917 and you And you think, don't think about the words on the page. Right. It all that stuff is written. And so I think that is important to show that scene where he jumps off of the uh, bridge and lands in the water. That had to be written first before it could be performed. It's not all just choreographed by the stunt team. I know, but at the same time, I'm just like, you the dialogue that. is what I, I celebrate. I love dialogue. Yeah, of course, of course. I also loved Brad Pitt giving a shout out to the stunt teams yes. of the world and how the Academy should finally recognize them as a category. Absolutely. Uh, Itmod certainly believes that. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix got his Joker Academy Award. Love that. Shout out to all the vegans out there. I, everybody was everybody in the Sears house was so excited for him to get political. But then when uh, he went off, uh, went after the cream in our coffee, the, the room got weirdly quiet. It, but I thought that was such an incredibly effective um, way of delivering his message. And as somebody who has been... Uh, teetering on vegetarianism and veganism, uh, I, I'm uh, like it. It had effect on me. Yeah, I, I like the idea of just being compassion forward. Yeah, and anybody who's like making fun of Joaquin Phoenix because uh, he has compassion for living creatures, go straight to hell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I I wonder how Burger King felt after their big beautiful well, burger yeah. <laughs> commercial, and then all of a sudden they're like. Baby calves are ripped from their mothers. Yeah, uh, very effective, very effective. And like we said, Renee Zellweger got hers for Judy. Awesome. We finally did see Judy. It's actually a pretty darn good movie. And her performance is amazing. Really, really good. Yeah, yeah. But we're here to celebrate Bong Joon-ho and Parasite. This is the first time since 1991 when Silence of the Lambs took home Best Picture that my favorite film of the year took this prize you know, I, I I had a strong positive feeling going into the Academy Awards this year that that was going to happen. Ever since the SAG Awards, when the cast took home Best Ensemble, I felt a little bit of a boost yeah. uh, occur. And when you're watching the Academy Awards last night and they are listing off all the nominees, and it's like The Irishman, and you hear like, yay. Uh, you know, Joker, yay. 1917, yay. Parasite, yeah! Yeah. And when you heard that, yeah, you're like, oh, shit. Parasite's going to win Best Picture. And, of course, Bong Joon-ho had just won Best Director. Uh-huh. And we didn't get a split. We didn't get a split. It was absolutely elating. And then to see, like, when they tried to cut off one of the producers from yes. giving her speech by, I guess they, they, they lower, lower the, the stage. Yeah. The, they lower the mic. And to see an entire room of people go, like, raise that mic, and raise that Tom mic. Tom Hanks front and center being an ally. <laughs> you know, that's a great gif. I want that gif. I, I just absolutely... I, I just thought that that was so awesome. It was like the most powerful Best Picture win since Moonlight yeah. took over after the La La Land kerfuffle. It, I mean, I 
like the the La La Land kerfuffle was like different because at first I was so wounded because, by yes. thinking that La La Land had won, mm-hmm. and then to see uh, one of the producers of La La Land go like, yeah, Horowitz. In actuality, no Moonlight, and then that was such a tremendous relief to me. And I, shock. I had I burst into tears, remember, and it really yeah. challenged, like, um, my skepticism because when I heard that La La Land won, I was like, "Of course, yeah. of course, this is the thing that is going to happen. The world is a cruel and unsens- insensitive place." And then, w- like, when Moonlight had won in actuality, it was like. Maybe the world isn't such a terrible place. Maybe the academy isn't full of entirely full of old white farts. And then Shape of Water wins the next year. That was my favorite film of that year, yeah. so I loved that. And then Green Book wins. Oh no, one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> Screen, you know, your, your skepticism comes back. But all the way through the ceremony this year, I felt positivity. Mm-hmm. I felt a move in the right direction. And I know, like, I am with everybody going, like, why aren't women filmmakers being celebrated? I am, I do believe that we need to be cognizant of giving female filmmakers jobs, um, recognizing female filmmakers in a public space. Um, But I do feel like this is a step in the right direction. We're celebrating international films we're celebrating the films made by people other than white males and i i really came away feeling optimistic about the direction of art yeah yeah uh another shout out to the independent spirit awards uh lulu wang and the farewell won best feature there and she gave an amazing speech and i love that movie she was sorely absent from the ceremony yesterday uh but parasite as we were riding home last night, we we were just saying to each other, can can you believe it? Like, if you go back to September when we were at Fantastic Fest and we got into a room and had 15 minutes with Bong Joon-ho talking to that dude who was so incredibly gracious, who was so incredibly uh, loving and, uh, and passionate and spirited and just a master of his form, you know, to be in that room, it's still one of the most um, cherished memories that I have. Absolutely. And to be there in the room with you, oh, our yeah. first Fantastic Fest interviewing together, that was just so incredibly special. But did you have any idea that Parasite was going to take over the Oscars? Hell no. Because, like, sometimes when you're into genre films, part of you feels like, I'm in a cool secret club. Like, there's no way that the films that I hold close to my heart are going to be the ones that are celebrated. And, like, if you think about Parasite, it's an amazing movie. It is a masterpiece. It is commenting on society as it is right now in such a concise way. But it is a a film with subtitles. That's going to scare some people away. But it is a genre film— it, it gets a, weird. It gets weird. So a lot of people are not going to be into that. Uh, so I, I came away going like, I love being part of the super secret parasite club. I wish everybody. I wish I could invite everybody. Right. And then to see like um, that 
that social commentary is not a niche taste right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Everybody is hungry for social commentary. The idea of going against the idea of um, class created by a, an intense disparity of wealth. Yeah, we all talk about, you know, I just want to go to the movies and check out my brain and eat popcorn. That's all I want from cinema. And uh, guess what? Cinema can do both. You can be exhilarated. You can be shocked and terrified and uplifted and also speak to the times. The Academy Awards never really catered to the popcorn set. It, it um, catered to a more... Um, I guess they would describe it as sophisticated film watcher. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but it was interesting, like, coming out of Fantastic Fest, seeing this amazing film, and then, like, turning on podcasts and listening to, like, I mostly listen to comedy podcasts, and, hey, everybody in L.A. is going to go, is went to see Parasite. Right, right. I was, you know, my, my friends who are not movie people, in the strictest sense, they're going to see Parasite. Yep, yep. Mom and dad are going to see a South Korean uh, genre picture because it wins best picture. Yeah, you know? it's it's wild. Yeah, it's very, very, very cool. Uh, so if you are a regular subscriber, you have heard this interview already, but we wanted to pat ourselves on the back again. We wanted to relive the experience. We wanted a not-so-humble brag. We wanted to drop it back into the feed because it is one of those conversations that we are very proud of. The conversation would not be possible without the support of Fantastic Fest and Film School Rejects. I have to send my love to both Brandy and Neil for allowing this conversation to take place. And it does take place in the highball, in their karaoke room, in the Inferno Room, <laughs> which is their Satan-themed uh, karaoke room. And that's where our conversation starts with Bong Joon-ho and us discussing um, why it's so memorable. <laughs> uh, so without any further ado, let's jump into this conversation and we'll meet you back out on the other side to close out this week's episode. Here you go, guys. Bong Joon-ho. They got us in the best room. <laughs> All right. Is this the biggest room? Uh, it's the one that I feel like is the most memorable. <laughs> uh, there's lots of cool rooms. You know, there's like a haunted house one, and there's like a video game joysticks room. Okay. Which this is, cool. is the room my mom would disapprove of the most, which <laughs> makes it the coolest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just before I adjusted the lighting, the angle. Of the oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm glad. Good, good, good. So we have your vision here. Um, I think where we wanted to start, like we saw the film, uh, the the other day, uh, was it two days ago? Yesterday? This festival is this, all running together. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and like, what strikes me is that you um, talk about class a lot in your films. Mm -hmm. And this feels like a culmination of that subject in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, you know, is that, is that where you are... Do you, do you feel like you've said all you can say on class now with this film, or are we going to see it come up in movies in your filmography in the future? Yeah, don't. 
그이 영화로 개그에 대해서 하고 싶은 말을 다 하셨는지 아니면 계속 더 개그에 대한 내용을 한번 불을 태운 느낌은 있어요. 그러니까 그 돋보기로 햇빛 가지고 종이 태우는 거 있잖아요. 그때 점이 딱 모이면서 연기가 확 나잖아요. 그때 종이 타는 냄새도 나고 그런 이 클라스라는 주제를 놓고서 한번 그런 행위를 한 느낌? 뭐 무슨 온 세상을 불태운 건 아니지만 어느 한 점을 불태웠다는 느낌은 있어요. 네. So it does feel like I lit it up on fire. Like when you use a magnifying glass to burn a tiny dot on the paper, um, it feels like I did that with class. I didn't burn up the entire world, but I did it with a very specific point, for a very specific point. The heart of the issue, the way, the way I gathered it from Parasite, is it's a lack of relatability. Like, um, they, the two classes just can't even, they don't even speak the same language. Mm. So do you feel like through art or through activism, that, that class is something that is resolvable? Or are we just screwed? Mm. What? 그 서로 공감을 못하는 게 영화의 핵심적인 내용인 것 같은데 서로 가난한 부작용이 언어로 다른 것 같고 이 개그 문제를 해결할 수 있을 것 같은지 아니면 뭐 예술이나 정치적인 행동으로 네. 문제를 해결할 수 있는 건지 그, 그건 선에 관한 얘기죠 그 부자 그 CEO도 계속 얘기하잖아선 넘지 말라고 그 인위적으로는 자연스럽게도 그 선이 있다는 거죠 그, 그거를 애써 억지로 무시하려고 해도 이미 선이 그어져 있고 그것이 선을 넘었을 때 어떤 대가를 치르는지 또는 어떤 비극이 발생하는지가 영화가 보여주는데. 예. So I think ultimately it's about that line, not crossing the line, regardless of whether it's artificial or natural. Um, there is this line that you really can't ignore, no matter how hard you try. Um, it's already there, and to cross the line comes with a certain price that you have to pay, and ultimately it leads to the tragedy in the film. 그 마지막에 보면 특히 이제 영화 엔딩이 되게 나는 뭐 웃기다기보다 슬프다고 생각이 드는데 그뭐 애가 이렇게 젊은 애가 집을 사겠다고 그러잖아요 근데 살수 없을 것 같잖아 사실 보면 그게 그 우리도 이미 그렇게 느끼고요 보면서 누가 뭐 따로 보이스오버로 설명하지 않아도 그래서 그 느낌이 되게 슬픈 거고 이 영화가 끝난 후에도 미래에도 계속 이 상태가 계속될 것 같은 그런 두려움, 슬픔 뭐 이런 거 아, 이, 이게 클라스 간의 어떤 이 갭이 해결이 안될것 같은 그런 두려움 이런 걸 한번 표현하고 싶었던 거지 And I think you really see that with the, the ending of the film. Um, it's a sad moment where Q says that he will buy the house, but as the audience, we all know that he can't buy it. We already feel it without like a voiceover that's explaining everything. And so even after the film, um, there is this sense of fear and sadness that this will continue on in the future. Mm -hmm. We really won't be able to resolve this gap. Um, um, and that fear is the final sort of emotion of the film. Uh, how do you feel about um, people knowing that that that? How, how do you feel about spoilers? You know, because your film is very hard to talk about without talking about where it goes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just now in that conversation there, you know, you're you're addressing kind of where we are left emotionally at the end. So, mm -hmm. how do you feel about addressing those those spoilers? So, 
프랑스나 한국에서 개봉할 때도 뭐 그런 부탁을 많이 했어요. 그 영화 그 세컨 하프에 대해서 얘기하지 말아주세요. 안본 분들을 위해서. 근데 지금 미국은 아직 개봉 안 했으니까 계속 같은 심정이에요. 제가 그치만 또 이렇게 여러분들하고 만나서 얘기하는 게또 소중한 시간인데 우리끼리는 뭐 하고 싶은 얘기는 다 해야 되지 않겠어요? 여러분들이 알아서 잘 정리해 주세요. 기사 쓸때 근데 얘기는 일단 다 하고 싶어요. 근데 관객들은 정말 되게 예고편도 안 보고 막 극장에 왔으면 좋겠는 이런 모순된 모순된 마음을 갖고 있죠. Um, so at Cannes, because it was before uh, the release in France and Korea, I um, did ask uh, reporters to refrain from mentioning the second half of the film. And since we're, uh, the film hasn't been released in the U.S. yet, I still feel uh, the same way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is a great opportunity to meet and just sort of talk about yeah. this film. Yeah. So I would like to talk about everything, but uh, please, you know, be careful when you write, um, write it out. Good. Okay. But, yeah, just everything we can talk about. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I don't want to because it was a very precious turn in the movie, and I just don't want to like spoil that in any way. Yeah, I really hope audience in, in the theater without any knowledge about second half. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but like back to the class thing. Like, is this a subject that you are haunted by? I feel haunted by it right now in this country. And because you have gone to it a few times in your movies, like, mm. do you feel like you're just gonna, you're gonna return to this subject uh, over and over? This movie, 빠져 있을 때였다고 봐야 되나? 그렇게 볼 수도 있을 것 같고요. 석금 네. 열차도 가난한 자와 불자가 이렇게 기차에 있는 얘기니까. 네. So uh, I first came up this idea about the rich and poor when I was working on the post production of Snowpiercer, um, and I was already sort of engrossed in similar themes at the time, as it's also about um, the the division between rich and poor. 근데 그게 나만의 문제 아닌가요? 뭐 조단 플레 어스라든가 또뭐 코레다 히로카즈 샤플리피터스라든가 비슷한 시기에 이런 다그 가난에 대한 얘기 또 부와 가난에 대한 얘기 이런 것들이 많이 나오는데 어떻게 보면 되게 자연스러운 일인 것 같아요. 자기가 살고 있는 시대의 얘기를 하는 수밖에 없는 것 같아요. 그 피해터들이. Um, and of course, that's not just me. There was us by Jordan Peele and Shoplifters by Koyada um, Hirokazu. So a lot of contemporary artists are exploring similar themes about the gap between rich and poor. And I think that's a very natural process. We all want to discuss and explore the times that we currently live in. Mm-hmm. What makes this film so grounded and immediate is it's um, my only film of yours that I've seen that doesn't have some kind of like creature or like a supernatural <laughs> element, but yeah. still manages to be just as terrifying, if not more terrifying, because it does feel mm-hmm. like a situation where there there is no escape from it. Like nobody's mm-hmm. going to come out of that situation mm-hmm. feeling better off or feeling like fulfilled. Yeah. <laughs> 고마운데 그그 그 얘기를 해줘서 고마워. 그러니까 이 영화가 사실 그러니까 또 호스트 같은 경우는 눈에 보이는 괴물이 있고 몬스터가 뛰어다니는 거고 스노피어서 설공열차 같은 경우는 그 엔진이라는 게 있잖아. 그 퍼페츄얼 엔진이 그 엔진을 찬양하고 엔진이라는 괴물이 있잖아. 그 엔진 섹션을 향해서 프론트 섹션 향해서 가는 거고 
근데 이 영화는 사실 눈에 보이는 몬스터가 없거든요 그게 더큰 공포죠 부잣집 사람들이라고 해서 사실 뭐 공식적으로 또 나쁜 애들도 아니니까 악마가 없어요 이 영화에 악마가 없는데도 되게 끔찍한 일이 벌어지잖아요 그럼 왜? 뭐 때문에? 그그 그 이유가 사실 어떤 몬스터인 건데 화면에 보이지 않는 몬스터이기 때문에 더 답답하고 무서운 것 같아요 그걸 그런 느낌을 원했을 거죠 Um, so thank you for that comment um, because in this film we don't really see a monster on screen unlike the host and even in the Snowpiercer we have this perpetual engine that um, that the narrative sort of uh, propels forward towards um, and th- that engine is you can say that that engine is the monster of that film but with Parasite you don't have to see a monster on screen and that's where the true fear comes from um, the rich family they're, on, they're not the villains they aren't really the villains of this story but even then the, the film um, heads towards this calamity and I think um, you can ask the question of okay then why why does that happen without the presence of this monster and I think that's why we feel more scared and frustrated because you don't see the cause um, with your eyes yeah and it's also something that uh, a lot of us see in our daily lives Uh, like that this conversation is very relatable like I think your movies have always been relatable but this one like like I I feel it constantly (laughs) but even the use of the word parasite as the title of the film, that metaphor of like a parasite is not a like the parasite is not responsible for the situation it's in. The parasite cannot survive without some kind of host. Um, when did you come up with your title? Was it something, or was it something you found over the course of creating the script? You put it top one day again, one word. あ、こう、ポイザンの根本の一層層でそのような名で決心の根本的に。こう、タイトルパラサイトラのタイトルは、が、俺初めのこう、デカルコマニーを言うと、説明を해줘야될것같은데、結果的にいい部長は必ずや
그렇지만 정확하게 고백하면 은 나의 관점은 약간 가난한 사람 쪽에 있는 거죠 그래서 나 그들과 같이 들어가는 그러니까 약간 왠지 이 침투가 성공했으면 좋겠고 물론 그게 되게 위험한 매력이긴 한데 그들이 갖고 있는 이상한 너디하고 사랑스러운 면이 있는 거죠 분명히 나쁜 짓을 하고 있지만 그래서 근데 그것이 장르 영화가 주는 또 이상한 위험한 매력인 것 같아요 Uh, so, but to be honest, um, my interest and sympathy lies slightly more with the poor family. Um, I want them to succeed in infiltrating this house and I want to go with them as they enter. Um, and so you really see these nerdy and lovable characters who commit bad things but you can't completely hate. And I think that's sort of the dangerous charm that genre films mm-hmm. have. Mm-hmm. So, uh, before I get out of here, I just wanted to ask, Like, what is feeding your creativity right now? Like, where are you finding your creative energy? <laughs> like, are you absorbing film? Is it books? Is it comics? Uh, I don't have a lot of information. I don't have a lot of information. I don't have a So it all comes from anxiety. Mm. I draw and create because I'm an anxious person. Mm. Uh, There's a lot of issues. Same. All right. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate the conversation. Like we said, we enjoyed the movie a lot. Uh, We enjoy your movies. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you again. And thank you for your help. Thank you. Thank you. Don't forget your badge, Lisa. Oh, shit. And there you have it, our conversation with the director, Bong Joon-ho. Oscar-winning director. Oscar-winning director, yes. What I love most about our conversation with Bong Joon-ho is that we just went directly into thematic, Mm. like talking Mm -hmm. about the thematic heart of Parasite, because I think that is what resonated with us, and that is what resonated with the Academy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. For sure, his greatest tool is his perspective. Yeah, and I, you know, I love how he talks about while there is no monster or no creature in the film, there is certainly a monster, and that monster is capitalism. Yeah, uh, you know, very, very powerful. And of course, I really appreciate him talking about. You know, at the very end there, like, where does his uh, inspirations come from? And him going, like, my anxiety. Yeah, and we're all swimming in a ton of anxiety and uncertainty. And the idea that that can be made into something beautiful and something that you can share, that's really, that's super motivating. Yeah, so I hope you guys enjoyed revisiting our chat with Bong Joon-ho. Clearly, Lisa and I did. Uh, like we said, it's a very special moment in our career of po- as podcasters. Uh, I'm never really going to get over it, frankly. Uh, but yeah, you should go back and listen to all those other uh, Fantastic Fest chats because they are super cool. We talked to Takashi Miike. Yeah, we did. Oh my God, that was another really insane one. We recently dropped in this feed our conversations with the director and cast of VHS. Mm-hmm. Go back and listen to that. Tim Robbins, Jack Henry Robbins, Carrie Kenny. Uh, we just dropped our conversations with Justin Long and the writer and director of The Wave. That's a really fun chat. And, you know, we're dropping this early. We're dropping this on the day after the Oscars on Monday. But don't worry, guys. We're going to bring you many more chats this week because we want to get to our Sundance stuff. But we can't get to our Sundance stuff until we finish out 
our Fantastic Fest conversations, which are still coming because Color Out of Space just got into theaters. We have a conversation with Richard Stanley that is unreal. We have a conversation with the uh, cast and crew of VFW. Whoa, Stephen Lang. That's an intimidating dude to talk to. Piercing blue eyes. Piercing blue eyes, but I think we had a really informative chat with them. William Sadler, Martin Cove, director Joe Bigos. That's going to be dropping here this week as well. So we've got two more chats this week. Stay subscribed. Like, share with your friends. We could really use it. Give us a review. None of you guys are reviewing us. Why Why do you hate us? Tell us <laughs> that you love us. Um, please do that. And then next week, we are going to get into our Sundance conversations. And Lisa and I haven't really talked about how to launch those chats, but I think the best conversation to jump in to our Sundance experience is with Bo Burnham of Promising Young Women. Ah, that's a very good place to start. I think so. I think that's where we're going to do it. So Lisa, uh, until next time, where can our listeners find you online? At Sidewalk Siren on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And you can follow Billy Das, the indie dork, at WB Das on all social medias. Follow Brian Young at the Turtle Dork. Follow Darren Smith at the Disco Dork. And follow me, moi, myself, Brad Gullickson, at Mouth Dork on all social medias. And until next time, guys, take care. Oscars 2021 start now. (laughs) Visions are worth fighting for. Why spend your life making someone else's dreams 